Welcome to a special edition of Money You Should Ask. We're here live at FinCon, Austin, Texas. I'm so excited because today's guest is Joe Saw Sihai. He is the co-host of Stacking Benjamins and also the recent winner of the FinCon Plutus Awards Lifetime Achievement. Nefi.org, the National Endowment for Financial Education, for sponsoring live podcasting at FinCon 21. Joe, you, and I wasn't even going to say your name because I was going to say our next guest yes. is the Pluto Lifetime Achievement Award winner. Ooh, who is that? And that would be Joe. Really? Yeah, Joe from Stack and Benjamins. What did I say? Pluto? Pluto. Plutus. Well, well you know, sort Pluto. Of, I Plutus. Like Plutus, Pluto. We'll make it well, whatever word we like want. Pluto is plural of Pluto. <laughs> That's right. There were lots of Pluto. I only won one award. Oh, so it was... It would have been Plutus or, if I'd won multiple awards. Maybe, or yes. Pluti. Yes. If we were doing Latin. I'm so happy to be here, Bob. I've been, <laughs> I've, I've been stalking you for quite a while. And any guy with a background in comedy and just having fun is my kind of person. Well, I've been stalking you too, but according to the law, I can't follow you. <laughs> so that's... Uh, we are know. violating the... the, the <laughs> We're violating the terms of the... <laughs> Of the restraining order, but yes. that's all right. That's all right. We won't tell. No. There's nobody here. Our secret. <laughs> so in your bio, you know, you've got, you co-host Stacking Benjamins, you do all these great things, you were a spokesperson for Ameriprise and American Express, Yes. but you were also a financial advisor, which is probably one of the most riveting jobs. So I was wondering why you would even leave the world of financial advising to do something fun like podcasting or talking with people. It's actually, it's, it, it actually is a more interesting story than you would think. <laughs> I had this mentor who is a guy that a bunch of us respected. He was a guy that we loved. His name was Chris. And Chris one day did something that nobody does in our business. He, he gave like a two weeks notice. He, <laughs> he wrote a letter and, and the letter said, and by the way, the reason I say nobody does this, the type of business I was in was the one like Jerry Maguire, where you leave at midnight with all the client files right. and at 6am, everybody's calling to see who you're going That's with. Right. That's right. That's right. And Chris didn't do that. Chris wrote this beautiful letter that said, I like financial planning. I don't love it. I've been lucky and blessed that I've been able to save some money. And so I feel like if, you know, if, if Shirley MacLaine is wrong and I'm only here once, <laughs> right? Maybe, maybe people are too young for that joke. Right. But, I appreciate it. <laughs> but, 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 if, but if we don't get reincarnated, we only live one time, then I can't waste my life not knowing what I really, really want to do. Right. And I'm working so hard at this thing that is maybe 90% that I don't have time to do it. And he said, he, he said the phrase, I have other mountains to climb. Wow. And that was really powerful, not just for me, but for a bunch of us. And I look at the trajectory of a bunch of us that he kind of mentored, and we've all gone on these different paths towards stuff that really inspired us. So it's actually funny because when he said, I have other mountains to climb, he wasn't kidding. Yeah. He actually went and climbed Mount Everest twice. He's climbed most of the tall peaks in the world. He now owns an adventure travel company in, ah. in, in Colorado, and he loves it. Wow. So, but he's two years younger than me. Wow. I was turning 40 at the time. 
and I thought to myself, reading Chris's letter, and then I called him. I'm like, really? And we had this great chat, and I'm like, you know what? That's totally me. I like it. I don't love it. There's pieces I, lo I love, the media piece, I, the teaching piece I loved. And I said, you know what? I've also done a good job saving. I was a disaster with money at first, yeah. but I'd gotten it together, and I had a nice nest egg, and I could sell my business because it was a franchise. Oh, cool. So I knew I was going to get a bucket of money for that, too. And I said, you know, I really want to be a high school teacher and a track coach. It's where my wife and I met each other. She was a girls' middle school track coach. I was a boys. Was she running from you? <laughs> she was, yeah. Oh, it was. It's funny you're joking about. We hated each other. We totally hated each other. She she could not stand me. And uh, yeah, then we got married. But <laughs> anyway, to punish she, you. I know that's right. She's awesome. She is definitely my best friend and clearly my better half. She and I had so much fun doing that that I started, so I sold my business and I started taking classes to become a high school teacher. Cool. And I learned from my clients that have been teachers, and God bless teachers. Oh yeah, you know, for sure. My teacher clients told me, in fairness to them, they said, you're gonna, you would be a great teacher, but you're gonna hate it because you're gonna fight administration all the time because you're not allowed to teach. Right. You have to check all these boxes and you can't teach anything. And you know what? When I started taking classes at Texas A&M, the first thing they taught me, Bob, was that you're going to fight administration. <laughs> and during that time, I'm in shorts and a t-shirt because I've done so much media stuff for American Express. Right. I'm now writing, uh, writing TV scripts for my friends that were also on television in different markets and just for fun and I'm making right. a little money. And then I, uh, I started writing client newsletters for some of my friends and uh, I did some math and I realized I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. My kids are in high school and I get to see them now and, and be there when they get home and, and take a bigger part in their lives before they go away. And I also did the math and I'm like, I'm making as much money as a first year teacher's making <laughs> and I'm having a blast. And so that turned into a blog. The blog turned into the podcast and then the podcast after a couple of years took off and... Now I'm here and with you. There you here. And I'm at the pinnacle of my career, you, sitting here with Bob. Well, it was, we already talked about the fact that you got the Lifetime Award. Everything's starting to go downhill. That's so right. I'm catching you at the peak. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I feel really good. This is my sign-off. It doesn't get better than this. Just like a minute. I'm going to wait for that stock to hit the... Oh, it's... There it is. There sell. It there sell. Sell. Sell stock at Joe today. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, so... This guy, Chris, though, I want to go back to that. Yeah. The main takeaway I heard from that was I only made it to base camp Mount Everest, and he made it to the top twice, so I'm, I'm disappointed in myself. But <laughs> no, what I, but I've got no desire. Oh, no? no I, I mean, going to base camp, what you did, did you really go to base camp? Yeah. See, see I would love to do that. It's, I'd love that hike. That'd it's be enough. Great. It's yeah. enough. <laughs> if I can see the mountain, that's good. I don't need to go up there. I, it's a far drop. Once you go a little, you have to cross the crevasse, and I wasn't going to cross the crevasse. Yes. So, yeah. But there's so many people out there that are not going for what they want. And one of the things you talk about in your new book is that it took you 15 years to write the book, right? That you said you were glad that you got it done, and I'm paraphrasing. Yes. But that it was a bigger bear in your head than it was actually doing it. And so there's a lot of people out there that want to not be at their 90%. They want to be at 100% of happy and they want to be content. And one of the things I think that you're doing is trying to get people to like go for it. Um, I feel like that's your message of like, yeah. be happy and, yeah. and, and wealth is really a way to actually have the life we want, yeah. not about having millions of dollars. So can you speak to that a little bit for the people out there that are like, oh, I don't know, I, don't, I shouldn't write this, I shouldn't give my voice, I shouldn't go for what I want. Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid of everything. I come from a family of people that 
feel a lot of fear. Like yeah. I see it, and my dad has 16 brothers and sisters, a big Catholic oh. family. And, and I see it in my aunts and uncles. And I knew it from the time that I was in high school. I remember thinking that I've, I'm afraid of, I am afraid, Bob, of everything. And, and I remember I was deciding what college to go to. And, uh, and I was a runner. I ran for the Citadel, the Military College of South Carolina. And I, I remember seeing Nike just before they had Just Do It. Right. Their phrase before that was, was feel the fear, but do it anyway. And oh, it's, I love and it, that. Yeah, and it's not as sexy. I, I can see why they morphed it for their thing to just do it. It's, it's simpler. But for me, feel the fear, but do it anyway fits so much better for me. And that's been my mantra ever since. I, I feel so much fear. And I realized, like with the podcast as an example, the podcast does very well, and I, and, I, and I feel great about it now. But you know what? There was a year between the time we thought we were going to do it right. and the time we actually did it. And it was all stupid excuses and stupid things. And you can't start climbing the mountain if you don't put, you know, I love that, that, that little song, put one foot in, in front, front of, of the, the other, other. <laughs> right? And soon you're walking out that door with right. bags of money, right? Yeah, exactly. So you got you, you to just begin the journey. And, and by the way, what are we afraid of? Yeah. We're afraid we're going to mess it up. So yeah. let's do this. Let's take that away. You will mess it up. Right. You totally will. So get it out of the way. Get it out of the way as fast as you can. Make the mistake. Make the mistake early. Make it often and fall forward and you're going to do great. Well, I, I, I can't disagree because I also, my life was life or death. Everything I did was fear-based. If I do this, if I work on self-improvement, it'll kill me. Yeah. If I speak up, it will kill me. And so I lived a very fear-based life for a long time. And I also thought that if I mess up, it's like the end. Yeah. Right? Nobody told me, hey, step up, step out, go for it. Maybe everybody won't like you. Maybe everybody won't agree with you. Everybody may not go, yay, Bob. Do it anyway. Like, do it for you. Feel the fear, like what you're saying. And there's so many people out there that I know uh, also sit there in fear saying, I don't deserve, they're better, they're better looking for me, they're taller, yeah. <laughs> like, whatever it might be. And so, like, for me, there was a part that I finally just said, I'm going to go after every fear I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of conflict. I learned martial arts. I'm afraid of this. And I just started moving towards my fears. Address it face on. And then I found out, oh, that didn't kill me. Write that down. Yeah. Did not die. Did not die. Yeah. And it got easier and it got easier. It was not fun initially, but I really relate to this piece about like, ugh, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? And so I, I just, yeah, I think that's such an important message for people to go for it anyway, mess it up. Well, and I'll tell you, this is, this is the reason why the stakes are high. Like my, my book is like our podcast has a lot of comedy, right? Yeah. I mean, it's what I like to laugh. But, but we're, I'm very serious about it. And the reason is, Bob, there's a statistic I just read recently in a research piece. 65% of us admit to the fact that we have cried about money. Yeah. 65% of people have cried. And I was that guy, by the way. I was a money disaster. I remember, yeah. I remember thinking that I didn't know how I was going to survive the next day. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I would have found a way to survive the next day, but I had no money. I had no resources. I was completely tapped out. I was screwed. And, and I remember just, just crying because I was yeah. so screwed. And it's funny because we also think, by the way, that when you cry about money, that, that that's always about income. Also not true. It certainly is more prevalent when you're in that spot where you don't have much income. 
60% of people who make more than $250,000 a year admit that they have cried about money. Yeah. And so there's pressure. There's always money pressure. So the reason why I embrace comedy is because of the fact to lighten it up so I don't feel the fear so much. Yeah. So that I can go, you know what? It's not good. To your point, it's not yeah. going to kill me. It's right. <laughs> it's not going to kill me. I'm going to laugh about it. And I had to keep telling myself about this. There's going to be a time when I'm going to look back at this and I'm going to laugh. And I'm going right? to laugh. I, right. I, I, really? <laughs> there was a time when the credit agencies were calling me and it's awesome having a name like Saul Sihai that nobody can pronounce. Oh, <laughs> right? You know it's not a friend. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, so is Joe Saul Shea there? And I know it's a credit, it's a collector, right? Right. It's a debt collector and, and I would say no he died <laughs> because I wished I'd died I'm like if I just die these people would stop calling me and uh yeah so I think we have to lighten up the conversation yeah so that we can move forward and really get serious because the truth is that we need to have these deep conversations that nobody wants to have right but, but we can't get there by 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 starting off with these deep conversations you got to kind of wade into the into the 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 shallow end of the pool absolutely and that's I use comedy as a way to disarm clients or I tell funny stories and they look at me and go, oh, that's me. Oh, oh, what? oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't get the connection. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, because it is. It's so serious. And a lot of people think when you're talking about money, they mean uh, have a fight or have a conflict. Uh, let's, you know, let's duke it out. Um, but they are difficult conversations. And I know for me, I was a CPA and terrible with my money. Uh, giving other people great advice. I knew what to do. I just wasn't doing it. And like there was this presentation piece. I had to present well and hope that nobody uh, pulled back the curtain. Like, can I just get my stuff together before they pull the curtain so that I'll be like, oh yeah, no, it's like this the whole time. And I think so many people get caught up in that, especially in LA, but everywhere. Everywhere. We're trying to like, oh, I hope they don't, I hope I clean up my mess. Right. Before... It's like, it's like the Wizard of Oz. That's right. Yeah, just don't look back there. No, it's so funny. We have so much in common. My, uh, my lowest point of all with money, I was on my home, uh, on my way home from advising other people about their money. <laughs> I was a financial planner. I was a fairly new financial planner. I was in my second year. And uh, I had this really beat up minivan because it was all I could afford. I had a young family and, and a spouse who was still in school. And so I'm supposedly supporting the family. Right. I have no credit, I have no money, I have no resources. So when I cried about money, it was when I ran out of gas yeah. <laughs> on my way home and I'm digging through the seats. For change. Looking for change so that I can, by the way, I walked almost three quarters of a mile to a gas station. The dude didn't want to give me the little plastic gas can because he didn't think I'd bring it back. Because <laughs> I only had 75 cents in there like these, like these, these just, you know, th th this money's been under the seat, right? Right. So it's this nasty 75 cents I'm handing them or 78 cents and just so I could get enough money to get home. But even, even when I got home, I didn't know how I was getting back to work the next day. Right. And I'm advised, like you, I'm advising other people about what to do with their money. And I, and I was crying because I'm a sham. I, I have no resources. I'm not taking any of my own advice. Right. Yeah. Well, that, when I was studying for the CPA exam, I went and took this course in Alabama for a couple of months. And I had spent all my money. And I took the course. A friend let me stay with them. And so I wanted to take them out to dinner. And my credit card got declined. So then I'm like, he's like, let me pay. No, no, no. Pulled out another card, got declined. Declined again. Third card, declined. So I said, look, 
I'll let you pay, but I'm gonna write you a check. Bounce the check. <laughs> and like, I'm supposed to know better, right? Yeah. And, and nobody can know. And I think, you know, once I could let go of that, you yeah. know, it took a while because yeah. it's, it's, there's so much shame and, yeah. and we've got to present. And I imagine that there's a lot of young families out there um, and there is still a little bit of that tradition that uh, the male is supposed to handle it, um, even though that's not always the case. But that pressure, yes, of, you got to feed these other mouths. Everybody thinks you're the man. Yes. Everybody thinks you got it together. And like, there's so much impact that happens besides just the feeling of worthlessness, but that feeling of how am I going to feed them? Uh, tempers may raise. Yes. Like, there's so much emotional impact that and fallout. This is why for me, Bob, that uh, surround sound is so important, like who you surround yourself with. So one of the first things I did, to, I don't know about you, but one of the first things I did to get out of my hole was I realized I needed to change the people I was around. Yeah. And it's funny because there's, there, there's people here at this conference that I know are like, don't hire a financial advisor. You, you can do all the stuff yourself. I'm from Detroit. I'm a smart guy. I could build a car. Right. I could totally build a car. It would take me 10 years. It'll run like crap. You know what? I'm going to buy one because right. there's smart people that used to be clients of mine who, who are geniuses at this and I can't be a genius at everything. Right. So why would I not? And don't get me wrong. It doesn't have to be like my, my definition of financial advisor isn't, isn't, it is much broader, I think, than other people, other people's. Are. I want to throw myself people that are good at things that I'm not good at. I want to have coaches. I want people that are going to teach me. I want to be the dumbest person in the room. Yeah, absolutely. And when somebody tells me, they're like, well, no, 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 you shouldn't have a financial advisor. I'm like, why would you be egotistical enough to think that you're the smartest person at this? And by the way, you're always going to be emotional about it. I was so emotional about my life. Right. And to have these unemotional people around me that believed in me, but were more objective about how far I could go. Right. Was like the first step to me getting my crap together. Yeah, no, I agree. And there are lots of financial advisors that have zero emotion. Yeah. <laughs> but there are, there, are, there, are, there are plenty of those. But, but that can be a good thing. Like, you have to interview your advisors. You don't just yes. go with the first one. That frustrates me. I'm, th th that, when yeah. you said that, that's why, I'm, that's why I'm looking at people can't see Bob and I here, but I'm like jumping right in there because this is, this is the thing when somebody's like, well, I had, a, I had a bad time with a financial advisor, so I believe you shouldn't have one. Right. Wait a minute. Does that mean all advisors are bad? Right. Or does that mean your interviewing process sucks? Right. Because I think it's your interviewing process. Exactly. Y you need to figure out who fits you and surround yourself with those people. Absolutely, because... You know, if I'm trying to buy my second house or my first house and I'm talking to somebody that just got out of college and they're a trainee yeah. that doesn't even know about mortgage or yeah. any of the or has much life experience, they're probably not going to they're going to buy buy the annuity that I'm selling for <laughs> uh, for Vanguard. Right. <laughs> well, anybody and, and, and I've got a, I've got a great friend who was here yesterday. His name's Roger Whitney. He's the retirement answer man. Uh, Roger's a guy you should know, by the okay. way, that, that I'd love to introduce you to. Okay. But but Roger Roger has this thing. He's a great CFP, and he says, if you ever meet with anybody who doesn't start with your goals and process, if they start with product, you need to run. Right. Because nobody, it all starts with your goals and the the fuel that rocket fuel that gets you to your goals. Right. You, you, you can't talk about that until you. So whenever anybody tells me like, oh, I got this great thing. There is no such thing as a great, th there is a such thing as a great thing, but right. it's going to be different for you and me because an right. annuity and I'll give you, because I love that you brought up annuities. Yeah. 
annuities don't suck. Right. I, I, I mean, a lifetime income. If I said, hey, Bob, there's this pension that you can get that, that will last your lifetime. You don't have to worry about it. It's this guaranteed stream of income. You're like, hell yeah, sign me up. I'm like, well, it's called annuity. You're like, oh, oh. my God, get away. Yeah. But, but annuities, these companies have put bells and whistles on them. They put fees on them. They've done all this crap. The way annuities are sold stinks. Right. Annuities don't stink. Totally. That's the same with life insurance. There's so many things. Yes. Life insurance makes a lot of sense. And term makes a lot of sense. You're a young family and you got three kids. Term makes a lot of sense. Yes. But people, oh, life insurance. Right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh. And it's, uh, people need to get more educated or they don't need to, but yeah. getting more educated is really helpful in being able to actually move towards what you want. But the cool thing is, is I think people start when you say educated, they start with getting educated about product. Right. Don't get educated on that first. Get educated about your goals. Like yeah. we even start off in my book, we start off with timeline your goals. That's right. Like this is the first thing. Put all your goals out there because that's going to give you this, this, this uh, very simple equation. You need to save X amount of money times Y return to get that goal. Yeah. And once you have all these different goals, you may go, I may be, you know, if you and I are meeting, I might go, okay, Bob, you can't have the fourth house and get retirement when you want it. Right. So would you like to instead get a tent in the backyard right. and you can have retirement when you want it? Or are you going to push back retirement two years so you can get those? And it, it, by the way, then that brings up these cool conversations about your priorities. Right. And once you have your priorities in order, then instead of this huge number of investment options you have that everybody, it freaks everybody out, freaks right. me out. I'm like, oh, I got to know everything. Nope, I don't have to know everything about everything. I only have to know about these few things that do what I'm trying to do. Right. And it simplifies everything. Well, it's so interesting that you talk about timelining your goals because one of the things I do in workshops or when I go speak, I do this little exercise and I'll say, what is something you want? And oh, I want a music studio or I want a million dollars. Great, when do you want it? Six months. Great. How much can you save? Five dollars. All right. We're not going to get there. Yeah. Right. And uh, like, and it's very basic, but all of a sudden when you start to actually give the, when you march out the timeline, yes, it's amazing how people go, oh, that might not be possible. Yes. Uh, I could do it in three years. Oh, 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 maybe I don't need a brand new computer. Maybe I, but it, it actually is something very, very, very tangible. And your brain is super smart. Yeah. Once you come up with you can't that that doesn't work, your brain immediately does what you said goes, oh, maybe the used computer yeah. or maybe the maybe the thing. Maybe I'll rent it. Maybe I'll co-own it with somebody else. Maybe I'll do this thing. Maybe I'll push the goal back because it's really not that important or whatever right. it is. Your brain starts coming up with all these We're gonna solve it. creative things. It's it's amazing. And I, so I love that you do that and that it's like it does help us get aligned with our goals. Right. With actually what. You know, I'll hear people say, oh, I want to have a lot of money in retirement. I want to have a house. Uh, I don't have any money, though. You just spent $5,000 in Cancun. You just went on a drinking spree. Oh. I so did that last night, by oh, the way. Oh, there you go. Okay, good. So you're not, you're not getting the retirement house. So, but then if you can stop and then say, wait a minute, I'm going to spend 300 bucks on this trip, or I'm going to spend 5000 bucks, or I could put that away and have some delayed gratification, which is a sexy word if you can learn to right, see right. the sexiness of delayed right. gratification. Then you can actually make choices of, oh, this isn't going to serve me in my long-term yes. goals and my because I've been timelining it and yes. I've been setting it and I know what's important to me, my kid's education yes. or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And, and even if your goal is I want to be rich so everybody thinks I'm cool, at least you know what it is. But then you can say... How long is that 
going to sustain me. Like everybody thinks I'm cool for 10 minutes and then they find out I'm an asshole. Uh, okay, maybe I only got pleasure for five minutes. Whereas if there was something that was maybe, and it's not that it's shallow or this or that. Sure. It's like everybody needs to pick what works for them, but understand the impact as well. So I have a friend that admits that, that says that he is shallow and he is driven by status. He right. is driven by status. So he scoured the for, he scoured the foreclosure markets and, and constantly kept bidding on these foreclosed mansions. And he ended up paying Bob half price for a mansion. Wow. So it's funny that you talk about, you know, for me, that's kind of shallow. Right. But for him, he's like, no, this is my goal. And there's no stake on that goal. And by the way, he owns a Ferrari that he got from a, like a wholesaler in this crazy deal because he, he likes being seen in a Ferrari. He likes the fact that he's got this huge mother-in-law suite over his garage. He has two different garages on his house, by the way. Wow. When you pull up in the front, when you pull up in the back, he's got his Ferrari, he's got a Porsche. He's got, you know, and, and, and he's into the status. Lives on one of the coolest lakes in the Detroit area. Um, but see, that's what's so important is not to judge it. So we, yes. we, I often say, don't judge it, put it in your budget, right? Yes. If you're, if you're addicted to <laughs> just put the amount in so that we can actually budget so we know that's that we're right. not going to eat this week. And what you is your blow to. fund? <laughs> there's two different ways. Yeah, there's money that you blow and then there's money you blow. Exactly. <laughs> but you got you to gotta be aware of it and yes. not judge it. Yes. So um, I think it's... Whatever it is, just own it. Yes. And then timeline. And he did. He timeline it. And he goes, okay, I need this status. For me, how do I get it as cheaply as possible? And then he was able to put together a plan like he did about right. getting it and paid half price for everything to get the same status he'd get if he paid full price. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And one of the things, so there's a quote in your book that I, I have to read it so I get it right because um, it relates to timelining. But it, you, the quote is, the world is full of obvious things which nobody by any chance ever observes. <laughs> and the quote is by Sherlock Holmes, yes. um, which is obviously a fake person. Yes. So, <laughs> so I don't know if you can, uh, if, I, I don't know if it's a real quote. Or well, you know what's funny? Even, my, even our editor at, at Penguin Random House, Nina, who's incredible, Nina even wrote to us and said, uh, so do you want this quote to say Sherlock Holmes or do you want to say Arthur Conan Doyle? Because it should be Arthur Conan Doyle who actually wrote that. And, and, and Emily and I, my co-author, we said, no, Sherlock Holmes says it. And, and, that, and Sherlock Holmes, I think to me, resonates a little more. But no, yeah. it does. Absolutely. Yeah, but, we, but we thought about that. Exactly. No, I, knew, I knew that you did. And I knew it was intentional. But I, it, was, it was fun for me, right? I'm like, I like the little nuances. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, yeah, a lot yeah. of people are like, Sherlock Holmes said it. Right, that's right. That's right. No, my favorite meme, and you've seen this one before, is that best quote ever by Abraham Lincoln is, don't trust things you read on the internet. <laughs> right, right. He said it. Right, exactly. <laughs> he did, he did. Oh, man, that is so funny. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Right now, with what you're doing, what are some of the things that you still struggle with? Like you said, when I see all these choices, I guess. Yes worried about but there may still be things that sure um you know am i going to have enough for retirement whatever enough is yes and how do you address those how do yes. you calm yourself down how do you get grounded back to reality so the one stress that i always have is that i can't be trusted and this is what i learned you know crying over barely being able to make it home on that 75 cents worth of gas is uh i can't be trusted to have money on me Right. And I'm actually the opposite of what some of the big time gurus say. A lot of the big time gurus say don't have plastic in your wallet 
have bills because for most people, yeah. Bill spends lower. But you know what's funny for me, and I'm taking out my wallet right now, I'm exactly the opposite. I have, I have, as you'll see, I've got four credit cards in here, five credit cards in here, and I have no money. Wow. Because he has no money. <laughs> because I can't be trusted with paper. If I have $10 in here, it's gone. It's gone. I find it. But I feel guilty whenever I take out this card. Right. If, if I take out the credit card, I feel guilty every time. So I'm, I'm the opposite of most people. So I think my problem, which is a problem I've had since my 20s, but I admitted it that day. I'm like, you know what? The trick for me is to always hide money from myself. Right. And once I started doing that, that was the obvious thing that Sherlock Holmes, it's so obvious. But now that I hide money for, the second I started hiding money from myself, I cleaned up my credit card debt. I right. got my emergency fund. All of a sudden my investments started moving. And then what was cool was, in my head, it became a game. Right. And now instead of how do I get my ass out of trouble, right. it was how fast can I go? Right. And then that was fun. It was so, so fun. But that's, that, that's always been, it's a daily struggle. And I, so it's funny that you picked that because what I did was I created multiple bank accounts. Oh, yeah. Right? And then I had um, all of them not connected to my main bank account. Right? Perfect. And then five bucks here, 20 bucks here. Every week, this one took 20, this one took 50. And all of a sudden, oh, I got a thousand bucks. So I had to trick myself. And so for me, I tell people, figure out what you need to do to trick yourself. Yes. Uh, when I had my business, I found that I treated the money in that business much better than my own. So I wouldn't take it out of the business. So the business account was like, that looks sweet. But I'm like, no, that's the business, right? So we have to find those tricks Yes. and know ourselves and like not judge it, be okay and say, oh, this is how I need to not self-sabotage. The cool thing that I like uh, for people that are just starting out that you and I didn't have, which is here at, at FinCon or, or just on your phone, yeah. there's, there's all these cool little FinTech companies that help you gamify it. Yeah. Like there's so many companies doing things. You and I were talking about one earlier. Can I say that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a company called Cube. Um, by the way, they sponsor my show because I asked them oh, okay. to, to sponsor. But, but they do what you say. You, you, have, you have separate envelopes in that account. You walk up with your, with your debit card and you actually get on your phone right when you're at Kroger or wherever right. and you tap the grocery envelope, your card won't work until you tap it. And if there's not enough money, it will deny the purchase. Love it. So you've got these separate, and, and we didn't have that. You no, know, we, we had envelopes. That's right. We had the, <laughs> and I, lo I love the envelope method. Absolutely. It's because then you're forced to make a choice. So yes. I love that. And even a program like Acorns, which yes. you spend 250 50 cents now, just round it up, 50 cents went into investment, right? And totally a game. It's, totally a game. And if you make it fun and you don't have to shame yourself, yes. just figure out the ways that you can help yourself win um, at yourself because yes. I think so many of us take ourselves out. Absolutely. There's another company here. They're actually right across from us. Uh, uh, they're not a sponsor of my show, so I should mention somebody who's not. Uh, public here. Right. Uh, uh, at first, I thought it was kind of Robin Hoody, which I don't like Robin Hood. That's right. gamification, evil gamification. Yeah, right. These guys, it's social. It's buy and hold. But, but it makes investing fun and getting out there and learning about investing fun and being a buy and hold investor. And we, you and I talked about Surround Sound. Yeah. A lot of people listening might be like, you know, I don't, I don't know anybody. 
Well, a place like public gives you this whole community. So you actually have people around you. It's, it, I don't know. I, I find fintech just really fascinating what some of these people are working on. There's so much. I would be so much richer <laughs> if they had had this stuff 15 years ago. Where were you, public? I'm a little angry. Where yes. are they? Public, if you want to sponsor Bob's show. Yeah, please, please. <laughs> well, listen, I know we're going to talk about your book in a second, but we're at the five uh, fast. The All right. Fast. So I got to ask you these five questions. And uh, just Do I top stretch out first? You, well, if you need to, you okay. might need to, but you're a runner. So you're, I, I, you're barely, barely jogger, <laughs> crawler. Yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, you can use the wheelchair. That's it's right. all right. We all know. We know. What was the last time you felt regret after making a purchase? Oh man. Uh, six months ago, I bought a board game at a store. I love board games and I knew that I had already kickstarted two new games that I have. It's the one thing I have too many of Bob and, and, and I bought it and I'm like, I didn't need that. And I'm not even going to play it for the next six months. I could have waited, but yeah. Do you play Risk? Uh, uh, I, I used to. Now I prefer shorter games where I don't want to flip the table. <laughs> yes, I play like Settlers of Catan. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Or, I haven't tried that Or one. Ticket to Ride. Ticket okay. to Ride is fun. Yeah. I love Risk. We've, many deaths have occurred. <laughs> uh, <right>. Not just <laughs> on the board. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I've been in those. It's evil. Yes. <laughs> is there anything you wish you did differently in the early days of creating Stacking Benjamins? Uh, I wish that we had pivoted sooner to make the show lighter and funnier. And I wish that we had studied comedy earlier. We were two guys that just thought we were funny. Right. And, and, and you know, I, I mean, we have a lot of knowledge. My knowledge, my, my co-host is a working CFP. And so we, we've got this depth of knowledge there. We thought we could be a comedy show without ever studying comedy. You're a guy that knows tons of comedians. You can't do that. Right. You have to study it and it's, own there's it. There's actually an art to it. Yes. And so we took comedy classes and started really honing the comedy piece. I wish we'd done that earlier and not been so cocky about, yeah, you can just kind of throw this together. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> What's one thing you wish you could undo a financial decision this last year that you made? I, I thought that COVID was going to end sooner than it was, <laughs> that it did. Yep. So I Airbnb, for a while we were nomads and okay. we just actually bought a house again in Texarkana, Texas. Um, but during the time, during that time, I thought we could live in Bali for a month. So I, so I, I Airbnb'd this place in Bali oh, no. oh. And, and, and they closed Bali to everybody but Airbnb and the host wouldn't give me all my money back. Ouch. Airbnb gave me a partial credit, but oh. I ended up being out about $800 because I was optimistic. Uh, yes. Don't be optimistic, Don't people. be optimistic. It's terrible. Be a pessimist. <laughs> Bad things will happen. So if I could undo that one, yeah. that would save me almost a grand. Yeah, I eight, hear you. Eight Benjamins right there. Eight Benjamins. Who's your favorite podcast guest that you've ever interviewed? Oh, yeah, that, that's easy. I have this total crush on this guy named Austin Cleon, and I talk about him way too much. Austin Cleon's here in, in, in Austin, so okay. Austin in Austin. But if you don't know Austin Cleon, he had this great book called Steal Like an Artist. And, and I look at what we do creatively, I think, yep. like you do, um, and, and how do we get more creativity. And he says that all creativity is born on the backs of other people, so don't be afraid to steal. But uh, the way that you steal is this. Don't rip somebody off because it's not going to be you. Take these things that you like 
and meld them together and make it uniquely yours. Awesome. And so whenever I feel like I'm at my wit's end, my, my rope, I go find stuff that inspires me and I try to add it to what we do. Like I get inspired by old time radio. Right. I, I love the Jack Benny show, which right. a lot of people are looking up like Wikipedia. Who the hell is Jack, Jack Benny? Benny? Right. Yeah. Jack Benny was massive. Yeah. That guy was huge. Oh, huge. And so I'll go listen to old Jack Benny episodes and all of a sudden Stacking Benjamins gets fresher, more fun. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of recycling some of his stuff. Right. And nobody knows. Yeah. And nobody knows. <laughs> they haven't watched it in years. Yeah, they don't have. And I'm not doing the exact joke because that right. doesn't work. But I'm like, oh, that setup was funny. Let's do that. Right. We did a Fibber McGee and Molly. And nobody's going to get that one. Right. We did this whole Fibber McGee and Molly bit on our show. And I was so proud. We did it. By the way, at the end of the show, you know what I did? Because I did rip that off. At the end, in our credits, we said, today's episode was a redo of a Fibber McGee and Molly episode oh, cool. from the 1940s. Credit where credit was due. Absolutely. That's yeah, so awesome. pay homage, pay credit. But I love Austin Cleary. Leon and yeah. he's so inspiring. So that's, that's somebody. Yeah. That's and I got so cool. to interview him twice, by the way, I had to, so I initially said, come on my show. And he said, no. And then I started tweeting about what a badass he was. And then, and then he finally wrote me and goes, okay, I'll come on your show. And then we had fun and then we became friends. And now he's been on my show a couple times and uh, yeah, great guy. <laughs> that's awesome. What's the best thing about your job? I get to laugh. No, seriously. I, you know, when you're a financial planner, I, I felt the stress all the time. And now I get to sit here and laugh. And if I'm laughing, that means that things are going well for us. Because if I'm not laughing as the creator, then nothing's going well for what we do. Absolutely. If we're not happy, if we're not having fun, what's the point? Yes. Yes. What's and, the point? And, and, and pivoting to a second career, Bob, where I get to laugh all day. And, and, and if I'm laughing, things are going well. That's great. I yeah. mean, I, I freaking love it. No, that's awesome. A piece of financial wisdom or practical financial tip that you can yeah. give us. Yeah, we mentioned it earlier, but this is the big one. Automate it. And whatever it is, if, if, you, find, if you find some money, automate it. So if you, let, let's say that you change your phone plan and you save $40. Everybody high-fives themselves and then they take the $40 and they lose it in their budget. Don't right. do that. Take the $40 and add it to your automatic savings. Right. Add it to your monthly mutual fund thing. Like capture that money that you save, automate it. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And where can people, your book is coming out. Yes. It's called Stacked. December 28th. December 28th. So we'll put all that up in social media when it comes out. I just found out a few things yesterday that I'm not sure that I'm supposed to talk about, but I'm going to if oh, you're all right us. with that. Tell us, tell us. I found out that I think we're going to be on Good Morning America. Awesome. I found out that Publishers Weekly is going to do a review of the book. Cool. I found out I'm going to be on Bob Wheeler's show. Oh, that's even, that is, um, wow. That, that was like the, that's yes. That's so cool. But I, and, 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 and I think, I think it's Better Homes and Gardens, which is awesome. weird, also wants to do it. So we're way, I mean, we're still three months out and the traction that we're getting is already, it's already, it's already pretty good. So I'm, I'm super excited. But if, if I can pitch one thing, yeah. it's actually not just for my book. If, if you like financial literacy, and yep. I know you have other authors on, you have other creators on, and you want more people to join that voyage, and that's yep. what I'm passionate about, as many people as possible join that voyage, always pre-order stuff that you'll like, and, and then share it with somebody. And the reason I say pre-order is because the way that these lists work, and I never knew this, yeah. the way these lists work are largely on pre-orders. So if Stacked or any other project gets a lot of pre-orders, you make the Amazon list, which is great. And the more people see it that might not have seen it, and right. then they'll pick it up and then hopefully they get their act together. 
maybe we make the Wall Street Journal list, which is even better. Right. Or God forbid we make that big boy, the yeah. New, York, New Times York Times list, right? But, but, but the way that all works is pre-order. So now I went from never pre-ordering anything to if you hear any guest on Bob's show, and I'm not talking to Bob, I'm talking to you yeah, listening, yeah. Yeah. Uh, pre-order their stuff. And, awesome. and, and help your friends and give it away after you're done with it. Donate it to a library. Give it to somebody you think should should read it. But Give them yeah, some love. Yeah, but pre-orders everywhere or just go to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash stacked. Awesome. Well, that's I'm, I read through it. Uh, it's a great book. There's some good jokes. There's uh, some There's Sherlock, some bad jokes. There's some Sherlock Holmes <laughs> quotes. Um, and it might win a Pulitzer. If Price, yeah. it might. Uh, he's hoping he put it in there. He's yes. you're putting it out there. Yeah, it's coming. So it's coming. I'm sure P- P- Pulitzer people. I'm good. They're good. They're coming. But um, Joe, listen, this has been so much fun. They're going to kick us out of the FinCon conference. So uh, damn it, Michael's looking at us. But uh, so much fun. I love that you got the book done. 15 years later, um, but it's out. I had to get a co-author. That's how it happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Emily's like, hurry this crap She's up. Like, Let's come go. on, I've got yes. a life to live. Um, so listen, thanks so much. I appreciate what you do. And I uh, appreciate that you're out there promoting financial literacy because we all could use a little more of that. Likewise, my friend. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks.